Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. And welcome, everyone. To Why Shamanism Now, this is your host, Christina Pratt. I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by taking a moment to take a great big deep breath. And a nice long exhale. And let's reach out to call out to the helping spirits to be with us here today. So we call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits who are with us all. And today I'd like to just remind us that if we follow the path of those ancestors back, person by person, life after by, after life, lesson after lesson, we end up with the first people. And they're all the same. Because we all come from the same first man and first woman. And there are many wonderful cultural um, myths, versions of that story. But one of the things, the only thing, actually, as a very contemporary person that has taught me about this true connection as a human family is boatloads of ancestral healing and how that work constantly takes me back and back and back as I reach out for the help that I need to do what needs to be done to that place in which we are all one human family. So with that reminder, let's reach out to those ancestors knowing that they aren't my ancestors and your ancestors. I mean, we like the ones that have the faces of the people we remember and we loved. But beyond that, that's just for us because we're here in the often uncomfortable physical world. So let's take a moment and really reach with that understanding that these are our ancestors. And everyone coming are our descendants. So as we reach to those good, true, and beautiful ancestral helping spirits, let us reach together to our family and call them in to be with us in the day. Remind them, remember when you were living and the discomfort and the challenges of your time. And as that living person say, I'm living and I need your help with me here today on the everyday actual things I'm faced with in this day. Some are small and some feel really big and impossible. And I know you faced your version of those same things. And I ask you, old one, one who has gone before me, one who carries the love of this lineage from the first man and the first woman for their descendants. I call out to that love to flow through these ancestors to each one of us here today, living in the world, doing what the living are here to do. And I ask these ancestors to support us in standing up and being counted and engaging in the transformations and the changes that need to happen in this time and to do it now and not tomorrow and to do it with the guiding wisdom of these ancestral helping spirits so that we stop making the same mistakes. And let us do this in a way that is not only getting it done for those who are coming, 
but let us do it in a way that we understand that humans are not the only living things on this planet. And so with that thought, we give enormous gratitude to those human ancestral helping spirits and we reach even further to our non-human ancestral helping spirits, that life, right? That was here before anyone dreamt up that first man and first woman. And that life that will be hereafter to that which is rich and old and divine and that which teaches us to focus on that which abides, that which tends the shaping of our soul in this lifetime. We call out to these ancestors, these non-human ancestors that help us to understand how to do this life with diversity as a strength, with balance and wholeness and with that understanding of the uniqueness of the human to truly innovate, to create art, and to express joy, and to give it to that whole web of life around this earth. And with that thought in mind, that understanding of who we are as the living, call these ancestors in to help you to do this in this day, whatever this day actually has for you. We call them in, human and non-human ancestors. And as they gather around, let's take a moment and call ourselves in, gathering ourselves into our head. Another nice deep breath, bring yourself to your heart. Another nice inhale and exhale and draw your awareness down to your belly. And finally, big inhale, exhale and draw your awareness down to the earth. Stop everything for a moment and give thanks. Give thanks to the earth for this life, for this day for all the gifts that will come to you in this day, those you know how to receive and those you can't figure out how to unpack. We give gratitude for it all, all that has been in our lives that has brought us to this moment. We give gratitude for all that is and gratitude for all that will be. And with this love in our heart for our home, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, deep into the center, and let us go into that place. Here in, north, in the northern hemisphere, the bulbs are in that place of gestation and getting ready to spring forth. So we go into that dark place of gestation. We touch that energy that draws its power from darkness, from stillness, from silence. And we draw that energy in and up into our life like a wellspring of life force. We draw up that energy that nourishes, that restores, that replenishes. We draw it into our body. And as we draw this energy in, let the energy of the earth remind us that we need to choose who we are, where we stand, and what we stand for, and that we use this grounding to the earth to give us that sense of place and that growing understanding of why we are here. And we use that energy of the earth to inform us in our connections and interconnections within ourselves, our connections with others, our connections with the natural world, our connection with the invisible world. And as we learn from the earth how to be connected to all things, let's hope in this day you get one moment of feeling yourself in that oneness. And that you take that understanding of yourself as an essential part of that web of life as the guidance 
for what right relationship is. And may you bring that to all the relationships, inner and outer, in your day. And so with this incredible wisdom to gain from the earth, let it move through you, realized or unrealized, from your belly to your heart, from your heart to your mind, and reach up through all the layers of the earth, out through whatever weather is above you, out through the atmosphere, and out into the cosmos, and reach through that energy all the way up to the highest power of the universe. However you understand this energy, however you might name it, just give it its name or its concept, whatever it is for you that makes it known to you, and connect. Connect with it and feel you in the divine and the divine in you. And as you make that remembering, that reconnection, draw that radiant energy from above down, drawing it down through all the layers of the above, into your head, drawing it into your heart, drawing it into your belly, and sending it down to the earth. And as earth touches sky and sky touches earth and these energies move between within you, let this great love of these two legendary lovers awaken the spirit of your own heart. Let it be nourished by the earth, inspired by the sun, as the spirit of your own heart comes online here today. And may you reach into that deep crucible of transformation that is at really the power of the heart. Right? And that into that crucible, draw up that fiery passion that lives in your belly, known or unknown to you, and draw down the crystal clarity in your mind, even if you don't feel that clear yet, and draw that energy into your heart. And let that, that passionate tango of these two energies so different from each other, let that dance, that dynamic tension between them, give birth to that third and sacred thing, which is some sense or inkling or understanding of why you are here. And may you find regular, good, old-fashioned human being courage in your heart to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that gift you have to bring out in manifestation in the world. And for your efforts to do this, I am deeply grateful. For all the helping spirits that we have to help us to do this, I am deeply grateful. And I ask them to help me in this day. May what needs to be said be said. What needs to be heard, be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give enormous gratitude to those of you that continue to donate to Why Shamanism Now. Those who have been, some for years, and those new listeners who are finding us. Why Shamanism Now is listener supported. That listener donations essentially pay the bills to keep the archives on the line. I mean, on online, and um, to allow us to continue to do live shows. And so for all of that support, I am deeply grateful. If you cannot support the show financially, you can support it by sharing on your social media platform. Um, if you want to support the show and you haven't figured out how, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and uh, scroll, uh, click on the support button or donate button and scroll down. You can donate any amount, large or small. Whatever you choose, it's, we are deeply grateful for all of it. And so today's show is actually live, a new live show. It's part one of three. Uh, today's uh, show is called Tools for Reclaiming Wholeness in a Culture of Trauma. And this is about our deep liberation process here at Last Mass Center. Um, deep liberation, the deep liberation process invites us to discover how we can divest our energy and liberate our imagination from the oppressive systems and broken culture we inhabit. 
This is not a solo job. It is both personal and collective, but one that we can only do together. If we learn to do that, to embrace and celebrate diversity, both human and non-human, then we will all share in the manifestation of a more just and joyful future together. If we don't, we are abandoning why we are here completely. So to help me talk more about this idea, how by sort of bailing on this this um, personal and collective call out right now, not call out as in call out culture, but calling out from us to, to engage in our lives in a qualitatively different way, that if we, if we shy away from that, that we are frankly abandoning why we are here. So to help me, to help me explore this idea, um, our guest here today is Langston Kahn. Welcome, Langston. Hi, Christina. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so Langston's joining us from New York City, and Langston is a shamanic practitioner um, offering you know online sessions, as we are all learning to do in the time of the pandemic. And um, so you can reach Langston at langstoncon.com. And um, Langston is also one of the first, well, the first um, teachers, you know, after me learning to teach the cycle teachings, which is an enormous undertaking um, and not something many people feel called to do. And so I'm deeply grateful for Langston's devotion to these teachings. And we're here also to celebrate um, Langston's new book, Deep Liberation, Shamanic Teachings for Reclaiming Wholeness in a culture of trauma. So the book is available for you now and we'll, um, I'll post a link to order it on the Why Shamanism Now Facebook page. However, I encourage you to go purchase this book at your local bookstore or order it through your local bookstore as always. Um, so again, we are live here today. So if you have any questions about today's topic, we, uh, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. And as always, you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org um, or you can email Langston. Um, and Langston, what email would you like people to use to reach you? Yeah, people can email me at Langston at langstoncon.com. Beautiful. All right. All right. So we had a book party, everybody, last week um, online to celebrate the release of Deep Liberation, Shamanic Teachings for Reclaiming Wholeness in a Culture of Trauma. Um, so in the first place, writing a book is huge. Writing a book and getting it out and getting it published is a huge undertaking. And I just am so proud of you, Langston, for, <laughs> for doing it, number one. And um, and just really, was just really happy to celebrate the joy of this, this um, release into the world. Um, so for those people who weren't able to join us at our party, uh, let's summarize where we got to there, you know, for those people that didn't join us. And um, in other words, like what problem in our world is this book an answer to? A kind of, you know, why this book now? Kind of that question. Can we sort of summarize that here at the beginning of the show? Yeah, well, one aspect of that that we talked about specifically at the party was the ways I had seen communities that I was part of, both spiritual communities, activist communities, identity-based communities, um, just be completely destroyed, you know, torn apart by the lack of 
these type of skills that allow you not just to learn to sort of walk on eggshells around each other's trauma so that we can still be together even though we're traumatized. You know, I say most people, I would say, in our contemporary culture are traumatized in some shape or form. Um, but actually giving us the skills to go to the root of those traumas that we carry and really transform them there, reclaiming the parts of self that are sort of stuck in those moments of trauma, those moments where we made choices out of fear to survive. And so reclaiming the, the aspects of self and our power that's locked in those old choices while releasing and relinquishing the choices that are no longer relevant and serving of who we are in our current adult lives and the vision we're wanting to manifest currently. And so the lack of people having those skills resulted in people just developing more and more ways of sort of tiptoeing around trauma that just builds up, I find, resentment over time. And um, just the natural sort of waste that gets generated in any living system, particularly in, you know, sort of spiritual communities or communities built around transformation or trying to change systems like, you know, organizing movements. Um, that kind of waste just builds up more and more until it turns into these explosions where now there's such a backlog of that work not being done that the whole community just gets torn apart by things that seem like on the surface kind of maybe small conflicts or maybe big instances of harm that then sort of connect in like dominoes into all the other mini instances of harm that haven't been addressed up until that point. And so one of the reasons I wrote this was to give communities and just human beings the, the tools that have most worked in my life to actually create community that's sustainable, to, to transform um, what we might call you know, our triggers and really unpackage them as the gifts they're meant to be so that they don't become these sources of deep division in our communities. So... Um what i've what i've noticed just to um i don't know thinking about too many questions all at one time sorry about that <laughs> i definitely am not channeling terry gross today <laughs> sorry <laughs> damn um so so what i find interesting and in what you're talking about is is the the different ways these different communities which are really valuable communities and all doing great work so the activist community uh communities that would be more like spiritual communities meditation based or something like that versus something that's more pagan or shamanic or you know pra practitioner based in that regard and, and and these are really big kind of gross generalizations but but partly it's because they speak to these sort of three different things that we see in in many of these groups that lead to that whole small thing creating big explosion or or big thing, and people not being able to address it in 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 enough, not not being able to bring their teachings to bear in a way that can effectively address the shit that just happened, basically. <laughs> okay, so one of them is the communities that simply try to be perfect. You know, they try to live in some sort of vision, utopian. Um, vision and, and and of course the the shadow side of that type of idea if we, we we have the way and if we all just subscribe to the way you know we can just kind of be perfect and so we won't 
do those problems. And of course, the shadow side of that is it's, it's very is judgment. Um, but but more importantly, I think is that thus you do not gain the skills to deal with the fact that humans aren't perfect. Right? Mm-hmm. We're very messy creatures, right? So, so there's all this devotion to a practice and a lifestyle and a community without cultivating the skills to deal with the reality of human beings, which is um, we make mistakes. And if you're a learning community, by definition, you'll be making mistakes. And I would say not only are we making mistakes as humans, but if we as a group of people are setting out to address a cultural illness with our practices, naturally that cultural illness is going to come to be addressed. The spirit world is going to say like, okay, here, let's, let's look at that illness together. Let's look at how each of you embody that illness. And if we're not actually willing to or have tools to engage the reality of that illness and just want to live in that vision of where we want to get to, then, yeah, things implode pretty quickly. Right. And, it is, and that whole sort of the logic of that is based on a fundamental flawed logic that people are starting out at zero, at yeah. some sort of even. And, of course, we aren't, at zero. We, we are all, all of us on the planet in different ways and different cultures coming out of history and coming mm-hmm. out of a lot of unresolved energy of our ancestors that leads to lots of systemic um, oppression and the, and the more the world sort of moves, moves politically and financially, economically into globalization, the more those patterns get globalized. Okay. And that's now, an that, easier sell now <laughs> in What was that? And, and that's an easier sell now in 2021 than maybe it yeah. was a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, it was really hard 30 <laughs> years ago when I started. Everyone's like, Christina, why are we doing this? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but but the other two that I wanted to talk about is there's also a way in in many spiritual traditions with long standing. So the spiritual tradition itself is is to- I'm not knocking, but there's a way in which when Westerners practice it, there's an avoidance of um, issues, but particularly the ones that tend to bubble up through people's emotions. So that's another sort of pattern that we're wanting to address with these tools. I'll just put it that way. And then the final one is the one that comes really more through more psychological systems, which is the ones that, um, you know, if you connect back in Why Shamanism Now episodes, the ones that lead to these um, highly skilled spiritual uh, wounded children, you know, highly skilled wounded children, which is this, this sort of walking around those, um, they're often called raw spots or triggers or these places without any real belief that these places can actually be transformed. And and so so I'm, I'm, I'm laying these out in contrast to this piece that comes to us through indigenous practices. And um, my introduction was through more Central American practices, and most of these are gathered into some version, some culture's version of work with um, obsidian, the obsidian mirror, the obsidian blade, the obsidian stone. But, you know, obsidian is a really interesting um, stone. And for those of you that don't live on the globe like I do, which is part of the ring of fire (laughs) with active volcanoes, um, you know, obsidian's not necessarily so familiar a stone, so Google it and look at it. Um, but basically it, you know, it, it can have planes where it become a, a mirror of you, but of course with this dark background. And and the heart of those teachings is how from an indigenous 
animist perspective. It doesn't even have to be shamanic. This can just be an animist perspective that we as human beings have the ability to move into those places and to to allow those places to um, with our presence, with our acceptance, and most importantly, with our love to, uh, in, in the space, be able to sit in the fire with that aspect of ourself and allow it to actually transform. And this is the important piece from animism and lift out of wherever it is lodged and we can argue about whether we feel it's lodged <clears throat> excuse me in the body or in the head or wherever but the point is it's lodged somewhere and repeating patterns and so this for me has always been the shame uh, of what what is sort of missing in uh, many of these other systems is this this will this this humility of understanding this work has to be done for us to be able to be different. And so there are certain systems that just want to make the difference happen without really dealing with this sort of core problem. But as you said, Langston, we are the culture, the very culture that has the illness we're trying to heal. And so it is these places in us that are our contribution to the larger systemic cultural problems. And so we can't keep trying to change the problem without actually believing that place we carry it with inside us is transformable. And that for me is the problem with these other sort of ways of addressing it, right? Trying to be perfect, trying to just avoid it entirely um, and, and zen ourselves out. Um, or just this, this idea that we have to tiptoe around it, but we can't ever really heal it. And you know, we have to learn to live with everybody's raw spots and, you know, have our entire life you know, peppered with trigger warnings, right? Versus recognizing we could create safe enough space for people to, with skills to come in and do that transformation. And so this for me, luckily, you know, it, I crossed the path of this kind of work very early, you know, in my 20s. And so it's just been part of everything that we built here at Last Mass Center you know, which kind of brings us to here we are today. Look at us, 30 years later, <laughs> having a podcast. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I, I wanted to, to, to jump, unless there's something more you want to share, I wanted to jump to this question that came kind of at the end of the, of the book party. Did you want to share anything else around this idea? Well, just we another thing that came to mind as you were speaking was also the rise of the use of plant medicines right now in our culture. It was definitely on my mind as I was writing this as well, because there's a way that um, I, I get so many people in my, in my client practice and, and in, you know, student communities as well that have done a lot of plant medicine and they've been taken to these deep sites of wounding with themselves as plants so amazingly do for us, just like take us right to the source of what's off or wrong or out of balance. But then they have no skills to integrate that experience into their life. And so what happens is there's a way that they're sort of like brought to the source of trauma and almost in a sense re-traumatized because then everything starts orienting around that locus that they've been brought into their awareness versus having the skills to see how not they don't need plants to go to those sources that plants are wonderful helpers and teachers but 
our life all the time is trying to help us look at these places where our power has been locked up and and you know stuck and so i wanted to just give people tools to come out of these incredible experiences they're having with plant medicines and actually be able to engage their life more skillfully as a teacher without feeling like they need to enter into an addictive relationship with plants yeah that's a that, that's a really um important sort of kind of fourth group at this point in time since it's becoming so prevalent um is it going to go off on another question but I, I think i do want to circle back so so we so basically the gist of all of this is we're all trying really hard all of us and all these systems we're talking about and yet for all of that work many people experience just the heart-wrenching um uh breaking apart of these communities they've devoted to and for many people these communities are you know the safe space they found when they don't feel safe in their own family of origin or they don't feel safe frankly in the world because their culture doesn't accept them as they are and so this loss of these communities is heartbreaking and um, in many ways sort of re-traumatizing because now where do I go, right? Now where am I going to fit in? Now what do I do with these practices? It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And honestly, right now, we need our practices to work. <laughs> We've got mm -hmm. a lot of work to do. We need to – so in other words, this is yet another version of repeating the same story, I guess is what I would say. Okay. So the question. Um, so, so at the very end of the book party, someone asked um, whether or not the um, deep liberation, I'm going to plug the book again, everybody, for those of you that are going, wait, what's the name of the book? Deep liberation, shamanic teachings for reclaiming wholeness in a culture of trauma. Okay. Uh, this listener at the uh, participant at the party asked, you know, are the teachings in this book different from those offered at last mass centers online school um or not you know and you had you know you had like only two minutes to respond to that question um you know and shared that in a sense the book is you sharing you know intimately sharing your use of these teachings in your real everyday life um and and you didn't get to really go into that and that's kind of the connection that I'd like to make for people today because you know energy body mastery is open for registration right now so that first step you know from reading the book to saying okay what's my next step in in my life to do this you know is is registering right now you know it's going live it's only going to be offered one time this year Right. And so for people that are interested, you know, we'd like them to join us. And so I wonder if you could then, you know, pretend you're answering that woman again with some time about how what is the relationship between, you know, deep liberation, the book and this and the skills offered in the deep liberation process. Yeah, I love this question. You know, I think so often there's a lot of um pressure put on us in contemporary culture to be these like especially as like spiritual teachers to be these sort of rugged inter rugged individuals venturing into the unknown and and creating something from absolutely nothing that has no connection to any lineage or that we're revealing the secrets of some lineage that has never before been revealed to the western world you know 
And it was actually really wonderful in, in this book, Deep Liberation, to be writing about teachings that I say very clearly in the introduction are not mine, that I hold these teachings, I am devoted to these teachings. These teachings are at the center of all of my practices and my heart. And I've, I've you know, lived them for the past 10 plus years, but they're not mine. They come out of Christina's beautiful work over the last you know, 30 years, your work, and, and also out of the work of being in community with others for the last decade who were struggling to bring these t tools into their life and make them work, and me trying to help others learn these tools and skills with, with clients and students. And out of that, taking teachings and really seeing what actually allows those teachings to function in my everyday life in a way that allows for sustainable, deep transformation over time is what I wanted to capture with this book. I wanted to share at a foundational level how, uh, how people could begin to have an access point to these teachings that have so shaped my own life. Um, and it was really interesting as I was writing just to feel into that. How do I reflect to people my own journey while also holding this larger container and lineage that I am part of when I'm speaking about these teachings? So in Energy Body Mastery, kind of step one in, you know, the mostest, mostest foundational of these foundational teachings, right? There's, in, in a sense, two two parts. So one part is energy body hygiene and the other part is really basic clearing. Um, and so let's talk about each separately for a moment. Mm -hmm. So um, can you share with people, how, first at the really basic level, how energy body hygiene, like what's your kind of key story around energy body hygiene being the, oh, thank God, like I finally know how to change this. Like what was your, that story? Yeah. So for me, I mean, one piece of energy body hygiene, I think was, was one of the reasons that I was originally drawn to you as a healer and a teacher, because I had gone to this sh shamanic practitioner and received this healing around this really deep chronic issue in my life um, around that the, just they just said it was my energy they were just my stuff that was getting in the way that was causing these deep chronic emotional issues and chronic health issues and they just kind of said do you want me to take it out of you and I was like sure like why not you know and what happened is they they sort of removed the energy they saw that was quote-unquote my stuff like it wasn't intrusive energy it wasn't an ancestral thing, it was just my stuff they removed it um but then and my symptoms abated for about two weeks and then came back much much worse and eventually I found my way to Christina as a practitioner. And in that, you taught, you during that healing showed me this deep um, issue around my boundaries that was a much more refined way of explaining what the quote unquote my stuff was. That yes, it was my human stuff, but you didn't leave it at that. You said, okay, this is a specific habit and pattern you created around boundaries to compensate for this lack of boundaries. And here are each stage of your life in which these patterns develop. And now this is what, you, I can't transform this for you, but this is what you can do to begin to shift and change this pattern in your own life. 
So before I even actually had the cycle, before I had energy body mastery, I received this deep teaching around boundaries from you that completely changed everything for me. And I knew I wanted to study with you as a teacher at that time and a practitioner because of that distinction between just calling something that wasn't some strange spirit issue your stuff versus being able to really get into the nitty gritty of like, how do we be human on this earth incarnate in a good way? And what does that look like? And what is that? How do I like your work with the tools of energy body mastery allowed you from my perspective to be illuminating for me these these ways I wasn't humaning so well, <laughs> which was <laughs> which was a much bigger problem than all the random obscure esoteric spirit stuff. Ooh, and I so, think we need to have coined that word. I like humaning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah human. It's better than adulting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um, then, you know, I went through the cycle. I went through the teachings and I learned so much, you know, over that five-year training process of, you know, stepping into deeper and deeper spiritual adulthood and maturity and dismantling the false self we create as a child to survive. But I came out of those, those five years and I actually, there were some really foundational aspects of my relationship with my my own humanness, you know, my humanity that still needed to shift and change that I was now able to shift and change because of all the work I had done. And so really learning, doing a deeper dive with the techniques of energy body mastery of, of deep grounding in the body of a deep restoration of our relationship with our divinity and the above of learning to create not just intelligent flexible boundaries that were strong and adaptable to whatever our day brought us but also knowing how do i upgrade my boundaries how do i upgrade my grounding when they're no longer the grounding that is sufficient for the life i've cultivated for myself and that piece i think because i had sort of learned the basics of those tools over the course of those five years and totally changed my life because of learning them. But learning the intricacies of how do I know when I've sort of outpaced the, the grounding that I've cultivated up to this point and then how do I move into a process of upgrading them completely changed things for me. Because at the time I was in a really, um, I was at the end of a really difficult relationship and I, it was a, it was a relationship that I was really struggling with a lot of patterns of codependency at the time. So I would constantly find myself sort of being sucked into um, the the sort of drama of, of my partner's life at that time and their own struggles and, and ways that they would go into, you know, kind of collapse in a sense. And then I would instantly enter into helper or fixer mode. And so I needed to learn how can I create the ego, like, you know, we, we so often think of ego as a bad thing, but I needed to learn how do I create the ego, that essence of myself that keeps me on the path of my purpose, that keeps me, you know, able to show up each day and do what I set out to do that day. How do I upgrade my ego to the level where it's, I'm no longer even tempted to be derailed by my partner's collapse or by my partner's, you know, whatever's going on in my partner's life? Um, that I can still show up compassionately and kindly, but I'm not finding myself instantly derailed and needing to help or fix whenever they have chaos in their life. And that energy body mastery and the skills of that course was, was a huge part of what allowed me to cultivate that new kind of ego, that new self that was able 
to have traction in my life as I move towards my vision in a whole new level than I was used to up until that point in a way that was much less draining for me. Yeah, and and your your story kind of leads to this um, to the next place, right? So, so we have this process of being able to, you know, tidy up our energy body hygiene, and then as we grow as a human being, um, continuing to upgrade that system so it continues to support the person that we're becoming, and and um, and and that that's the link then to the whole okay. But now I realize I want to change a part of my energy body and I'm I'm actually now having trouble changing it. You know, it's like I'm trying to move the energy there, but it's not going there, you know, which is that natural link from just understanding how much of the health of our entire life, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, is based in this healthy um energy body in our physical body, right? So in, by the way, in our physical body. <laughs> another show um but but the next piece of recognizing okay i'm actually sticking myself here and i don't exactly know how or why and so it links from the energy body hygiene to how do we intentionally then clear or change something that's creating kind of a fundamental pattern in my energy body so that my energy body's free to move with me in my own growth and so this brings us to clearing um you know but we sneak up on the basic clearing not from this i was struck when you were telling your story that that what what we're talking about is how we build on our skills from this core place of showing up in the moment as a good human. Like how do I be a good human and really be what the moment is asking of me versus someone who's trying to get somewhere, someone who's seeking and reaching and 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 moving from this this teacher to that practice to this thing, trying to get somewhere to solve the problem from the outside in. And we're talking about this fundamental understanding that we're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this in a in a you know in a loving way but we'll bring our issues wherever we go. And so what we're t- talking about in these practices and this is goes back actually to these obsidian uh, mirror teachings is it begins inside us and how we show up in each moment. Not just being present. That that is an important thing but in in and in and of itself alone it isn't enough. Not not for this moment in time when so much needs to change in who I am just being present in the moment. Like that's a really hard concept for a lot of people to accept. But that's really where we are right now. Okay. But anyway, back to what we were saying. So the important thing about these two parts in energy body mastery is there's this energy body hygiene and that ability then with it to keep upgrading your system, but also that ability to say, my system isn't upgrading. (laughs) What's going on? And how to explore how we change that. So so what was your big um, kind of aha moment about the, you know, the really the basic clearing and how critical that, uh, that clearing is for your ability to show up in the world and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, in some ways, when I really came to the tools of 
energy body mastery, I had already experienced so much of the necessity of clearing because mm-hmm. I was a person who, you know, spent a lot of my life deeply dissociated as a person who had, you know, like the, the trauma many of us accrue from childhood and also um, like it was a constant underreactor and very shut down in a lot of ways and and also had a lot of internalized um, racism and homophobia that kind of kept me constraining the most authentic and powerful parts of myself. And I really needed skills like clearing that allowed me to go in and find those selves that had made those choices to invisibilize or to, you know, withdraw or to hide so that I could help show up for them in a way that they felt safe to make new choices knowing that I would stand up for them and I was going to support my heart's right to feel whatever it was feeling in a way that was authentic to it without trying to police it within an inch of its life. You know, I really needed those kind of skills and to to reweave that basic relationship with my own authentic emotional response. We've talked about in a a lot of the emotional um, episodes we did a few few, uh, weeks ago. Um, But I think the, the turning point for me actually was getting to a point where I realized, oh, I've been clearing for a while, but I'm kind of plateauing here. I've kind of reaching a place where um, I'm not able to get as much fruits and results for the good work I'm doing as I should be, as I used to when I was engaging this process of deep self-inquiry. And so it was the ability then to go in and look at things like my relationship with the earth and grounding and my boundaries and my connection to the above and and sort of my inner energy centers and understand from the energy body mastery work sort of like the basic human template of health and the sort of basic developmental stages that we hopefully go through as humans that allow us to show up more maturely and, and more whole as an adult in the world and having that template then totally shifted my relationship with the clearing process because I was able to ask much more intelligent questions in my process of self-inquiry and find parts of myself that before I had that template were hidden to me because I didn't even know what, you know, a healthy, mature adult looked like in a sense. Yeah, and, you know, that story, Langston, in particular, is reminding me really of another part of energy body mastery. Um, so for me, I you know, I think of energy body mastery like um, a canoe with um, pontoons on either side that really stabilize it. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good metaphor for people that have never been in a canoe, but they're pr- really pretty tipsy. They can be pretty tipsy. And, and, you know, and so in a sense, in energy body mastery, the energy body hygiene piece you're talking about and, and you know, and these stories are really a beautiful job of illustrating that en- your energy body mastery isn't just some basic thing you take care of in a class back 10 years ago and then you're done. Because your energy body is with you through your entire life. It's just like your body is too. <laughs> you know, it has to be tended through the whole process. And then and as Langston just shared, you know, not doing that can become the thing that's plateauing you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so in the course, in, in in energy body mastery, again, the one that's you know, registration is open for right now, which Langston will be teaching, by the way. So energy body mastery is like the canoe. Right. And then then that basic clearing is one of those 
stabilizers on one side, one pontoon on one side that um, is is helping to support the, the where that um, the energy body needs to change, where we need some help shifting the patterning that we're doing um, with our energy body. But the other pontoon is the qigong, which is in in essence where the issue is the energy body's fine; it just needs more juice, you know, mm-hmm. and and it. And, and so the other pontoon on the other side of the canoe, in a sense, is the qigong that is part of the that process, um, because ultimately, and this is a, this is a big piece of my my own story as a practitioner in the contemporary world, that living in a way that you're really pursuing your purpose, and in this in this um, living in a way that your life is requiring you to keep growing. Right there, there you you poop out. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you need you need to. to th- this is the reason shamanic cultures were first and foremost animist cultures, right? Because we needed to be plugged into the chi, to the energy of the system that's around us, and to do our human thing in that system, or we actually uh, spin out and dry out essentially. And so the the qigong piece it brings that juiciness in to keep feeding that system and helps to begin to take us as contemporary people and settle us into a more animist perspective on our life. Um, and I want to I want to state uh, before we lose people that are like, "Eh, great, you know, I ableism again," um, which I'm not dismissing that's it's a valid claim a valid concern is that what i like about qigong as a physical practice is it can be done seated it can be done lying down i mean it really can be done even by someone who is is only able to visualize the practice and can't move any part of their body at all and so it's a way um that a truly diverse community of people in their in their physical manifestation can come together and support each other in this you know this central practice of energy body hygiene that that helps us then begin to share an understanding you know of what healthy a healthy human looks like feels like you know and is in the world um based on this um the hygiene of their energy versus this presentation of this perfect version that none of us can actually ever quite materialize as. Um, so anyway, um, this is the setup in energy body mastery itself. But if we if we talk about the whole deep liberation process, and we're talking about then the next step of growth, which is from from this little canoe, this stabilizing yourself in this little canoe that allows you to now move through life with your healthy energy body hygiene and you're fueling yourself through the qigong and you're, you're, you're supporting intentional change through the basic clearing. Then as we do that and start really um, moving into the world and being able to bring our, our true self forward in part because we can now dig out that our own internalized racism or sexism or ways we are part of the problem um and and the other side which is start to get a better sense of who we are and better able to express that i mean those two things go really hand in hand 
we start recognizing that um, there's some really strange stuff in our energy system. It's <laughs> 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 like, whoa, who made this? And we realize, oh crap, that was me, right? And and so this is moves us then into energy body clearing where we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're moving from this energy body mastery, which is kind of mastering this fundamental art of being a human to this next level of clearing. And that's like the next part of the deep liberation process. And this year, energy body clearing will follow after a little bit of a breather um, with um, energy body clearing will follow energy body mastery. And Langston will also be teaching that course as well. Um, and so, in terms of the whole deep liberation process, how does energy body clearing um, kind of give us this way that we can begin to do both those pieces of work? The, the part that is each of our individual work, which is to show up in this life and do your unique genius. Yeah. And yet we... You know, we need to do that in a way that doesn't step on everybody else's unique genius, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's that personal part, which is how am I the problem for other people and how do I choose to get out of the way because I don't want to be doing harm? And how can I do both, not just one or the other? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, maybe I'll share a quick story that is actually one of the stories included in the book that, you know, a few years after I just sort of graduated from college, um... You know, even after being part of like the the queer peer education and like leading, I was like the president of the Queer Students of Color Club. I still had a lot of internalized homophobia just because of the you know the trauma of growing up in the in the U.S. in some ways and and just the it being so ubiquitous in the culture. And I found I was really scared. I found myself really frightened in um, like gay male spaces, like like and, and queer spaces where everyone there um, was gay. And like the moment I entered a gay bar, I would go into a kind of weird trauma response. And, you know, with a friend, I felt a little bit more at ease. So one time I was I was in this bar and I looked at this person that I found really beautiful. And he looked back at me in that moment and smiled and seemed to desire me as well. And in that, so it wasn't like some big rejection, but it was, it was this seemed like an invitation. But in that moment, I felt terrified and I like left the bar inside, like ran out. And I remember just hearing in my head the words, I'm going to die, like just echoing in my head, I'm going to die. And so at that point, I did have my clearing skills. So I realized, okay, you, you were triggered <laughs> a little bit there. So <laughs> let's see what was happening there. And so I was trying to feel into like, what was going on? And this is one of the tools we have in the course to sort of start to flip the stone and realize like, what, what did it feel like was being done to us? And I tried like, who in me thinks I will die if someone desires me? And that wasn't quite right. And then I was like, who in me feels like my desire will kill me? And that still wasn't right. And then finally, it was who in me feels like if my desire is seen, I will be killed. And that was it. Like if anyone saw my desire and reflected it back to me, I would die. And so I followed that energy into my inner landscape using the skills of the deep liberation process. And as I was 
you know, tracking that energy down and through my history, I found this 10 year old self that was playing this game with kids that was called like the, the faggot test where, um, you know, boys would sort of police each other's masculinity by if one of them rested their elbows on someone's shoulder, they would, if, if you held it there for too long, then it like brushed it away instantly, you were a faggot. And this never even happened because I was pretty intuitive and kind of hypervigilant in a way. And so I, that wouldn't, I wouldn't be called a faggot, but I saw it happen to other boys. And it really scared me and because I knew that I was something different, even at that young age in like, you know, fifth grade. And so I had to go in and use my skills to show up for that part of me and make him feel safe to be with his own desires and just his own self. Because there wasn't even a lot of sexual desire I was conscious of at that time. It was more just like feeling safe to be himself in his own skin, exactly as he was showing up. And when I did that for him, there's this huge release. And then I was able to move into my own life, actually pursuing people I desired versus at the time, what I usually did is I would I would pursue people who I felt like were safe to desire because I didn't really desire them all that much. Like I could see they might desire me, but I didn't desire them, so it felt safe. So in a way I was doing harm in, in that pattern. And so just this simple clearing of going back to this moment allowed me to completely shift my whole relationship with my sexuality and my desire and my dating life at the time, uh, which led to so many other changes and also then led me to be able to show up to hold space for others' relationship with their own desires and sexuality and attractions, whether they were like gay or straight or pansexual or whatever they, they were showing up as because of that way I had brought compassion to the parts of my own relationship with desire I disowned. And so I think that's that's the beauty of this process and in, in, in what's actually an incredibly quick amount of time. It could be in like the space of 25 minutes of being held space for by someone else or just doing it on your own. You can completely transform and shift your relationship with a part of yourself that has been trapped for decades in a pattern of holding it outside of your love and you know in a fear and anxiety and panic and then the the, the techniques are also fractal in that they allow us to engage that work on a collective level as well to begin shifting these cultural stories that we also are unwittingly complicit with when we still have these parts of ourselves that we're holding outside of our love and policing in the same way we see policing happening outside of ourselves. That's a great story, Langston, and I'm really sorry to tell everybody that this is the story we're going to have to end on here today <laughs> with part one. But this is beautiful because it sets us up next week to talk about what's a clearing, like what's a true clearing, because our, while there are many systems out there that are similar there's this sort of uniqueness in the practice that we're doing that when when you said simple clearing you went oh god (laughs) (laughs) well you know but that's part of really what is at the heart of energy body clearing which is going to be offered in april of understanding what is a simple true clearing in this system that allows that kind of actual resolution, fundamental resolution of the energy that I was talking about in the beginning of the show, which again, 
is you know connected to the the ideas that were inherent in all of those indigenous practices around the obsidian mirror and so so i think we'll we'll start there you know next week and and you know talk about the other two parts of the deep liberation process because today you know we're talking about a lot of life-changing things and that's just part one and part two of really a four-part process so um I just want to remind you all that you can find Langston at L-A-N-G-S-T-O-N-K-A-H-A-N, LangstonKahn.com, Heart-Centered Tools for Deep-Rooted Healing. You can find him uh, and connect with him through his website. He will be teaching Energy Body Mastery. That is, uh, registration is open for Energy Body Mastery right now. You can just Google energybodymastery.com and register right there. You'll see Langston's beautiful face, and you can click on it and register. Langston will also be with you uh, teaching Energy Body Clearing following that in April. And we are continuing at Last Mass Center to offer um, – a BIPOC centered teaching to the best of our ability and we're endeavoring for a very small organization we are endeavoring as fast as we can to keep rolling out our understanding of how to make what we offer online more and more accessible um, and so we thank you all who are waiting for those things for your patience um, but I just wanted to state that 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 is our our path forward would say that we are continuing with all of our online classes um so and then you oh and you can go buy the book you can buy langston's book deep liberation if you just do deep liberation and langston kong i'm sure you'll find it um and you can order it online of course or um purchase it at your local independent bookstore um is there anything else you'd like to say in closing langston no that's wonderful thank you christine i look forward to continuing our conversation next week Thank you, Langston. Until next week. And so we thank all the ancestors that gather around us here today, the earth below, the sky above, and the great, big, beautiful hearts that unite us all as human beings on this beautiful planet. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.